0: be a part of it. There we go. Come and be a part of it. Um, And if you can't do that, if that's not something that you can see yourself doing, um, I know we have some sponsorships, by the way, available for that to happen. But if you can't do that, we do have opportunities for you to to be able to serve um, and be part of community. And uh, matter of fact, Stephanie, our uh, director of operations, she's going to tell you a little bit more about that next week. All right. We almost done. Woo! How we doing, church? That was fun. Hey, can I just say this too, by the way, Um, and we're going to hop in the Word in a second, but um, what you kind of just experienced is what pre-service is for us. We started pre-service just a few weeks ago now, and pre-service is just a time when there's going to be some worship going on, and we're inviting people to be able to come in and pray. Pray the way that you feel comfortable. Uh, Walk, kneel, sit, stand. Uh, sing, you know, worship with words or without words. Um, you know, be still and know that he's God. Be in the lobby and build relationships, whatever it is. But w- there, there's no perfect way to all of us to prepare our hearts. But when we all do prepare our hearts, things happen. And that's what we're, that's what we're inviting uh, us to be a part of uh, every Sunday morning. So say uh, let me encourage you, let me invite you to set your alarm uh, maybe 10 or 15 minutes earlier. And just come. Man, it was so beautiful in here before, uh, before we even opened the doors. There was such a, a powerful spirit of God. Um, and so that's, there's, some, <clears throat> there's something that needs to happen sometimes in our life because we're going through so much during the week. We don't even know how much dirt's being piled on. And sometimes we're so under it that we don't even realize how deep it goes. And it, 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 it's like, man, we get to the second or third worship song, and we're like, whew, finally I'm starting to begin to worship. And I'm saying, man, let, let's, let's maybe come in a little early and get the breakthrough so that when we start even to worship, man, now, now, we're, now, now it's just right away. God, is do, God wants to do something in our lives right away. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? Hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready for the word this morning. Uh, since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. We were in it last week, and we've been talking just a little bit. Tom, can you pull me down just a tad? I think I'm, thank you. Um, we were talking a little bit about how disciples over the last few weeks, looking at stories of disciples, and seeing how God could maybe lead us as disciples, because we're not called to be fans of Jesus um, look, I'm, I'm a fan of the Eagles. Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of, uh, I'm a fan of the Phillies. I'm a fan of the, of the Flyers. I'm a fan of the Sixers because in Philly, man, you're four for four. That's all I'm saying. Like we don't do, and you, you cannot be a Sixers fan uh, and, and that does not sit well here. Amen. So, boo, thank you. It's exactly right. Raise them up in the way that they should go. Amen. I love it. We're not called to be fans. We're called to be followers of Jesus, disciples. And then that's a different level. That's a different level than how I grew up in church. It's a different level, I think, than than modern Christianity is encouraging us to be. And and uh, that's why I was kind of excited this morning. In the midst of this, old Kyle would not have been excited about this morning. Old Kyle, John's laughing over there, heckling from the back row. Um, Okai would have been upset. No, no videos, no lights, no smog, no this, no that. And I'm like, shh, we don't need it because it's not really about all that stuff. If we need atmosphere to help us worship, we're missing the mark. Fo- I want to be a follower of him. They didn't have light, sound, videos in, 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 in Acts Church, but do you know what they had? Power of God know they had signs, wonders, and miracles. I will trade smog, lights, and lasers for signs and wonders any day of the week. So maybe, just maybe, God did us a favor this morning. That's the way I sing it. Well, if you need a, a title for today's message, it's Being Uncommon. Being Uncommon. So some of you know that uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Danielle and myself, we bought a puppy, and, uh, and um uh, out of competition. Last week, Kevin and Lisa bought a puppy. At least that's how I see it. And uh, and so obviously in, in the office and in, in our times together, there's been a lot of puppy talk. And not just maybe a lot of puppy talk, maybe a little competition talk. Yeah. Because if you've ever been around people who get puppies or have a new baby, right? It's that kind of competition. You're like, my dog was carrying sticks already in her mouth. And I'm like, my dog's carrying a log. What then? You know, my dog is potty trained. My dog flushes the toilet, right? I mean, and that's kind of how we are. Lisa and Kevin and I, well, uh, Lisa and I were talking the other day after a team meeting, and uh, we're talking about uh, the, how we're not sleeping, right? Our sleep schedules. Now we're exhausted, and how Kevin and, and Danielle, we do times, and they do times, and all that kind of stuff. And Pastor John was like, he was like, man, y'all have it easy. I was single when I had my puppy. <laughs> And I realized, I realized that the one thing that I noticed is that all of us want our puppies to seem uncommon. Just like we want our lives to seem uncommon. Our family life to be seen as uncommon. Our behavior to be seen as uncommon. So much different than the, quote, ordinary people that are out there. But what I also learned is that it's really hard to change what is naturally bred inside of us. And this is usually when that conversation of uh, of nature versus nurture leaks into the conversation, right? Like some things come from nature and some things come from our nurture, how we were raised. Right. But can I just tell you, church, when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to who we are in Jesus, when it comes to trying to live out the kingdom, the answer to nature and nurture is yes, yes. It's both. Because we have to understand that we have a fallen nature. There's a fallen man still living inside of me. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. I've tried to crucify him, but he keeps raising himself up from the dead. And I'm the only one in here who has a zombie still living inside of them, right? They're dead, but he's still acting alive at times, causing trouble, getting all up in my business. See... There's a, Romans 7 says, there's nothing good inside of me. I can't make it happen. There's a force inside of me that causes me to be self-focused and self-reliant and and selfish at the core. My nature is working me away from God, not to God. Then there's the nurture. There's the fact that you and I all grew up in generations. No matter what you think about the generation you grew up in or the world you grew up in, it is not a godly world. It is not the kingdom so often. And why is that a problem? Because as we just said, Proverbs 22, 6 says, when you raise up a child in the way that they should go or shouldn't go, when they get older, they won't depart from it. So it doesn't really matter whether that that culture we grew up in is a specific generation with its own set of views or a nation that comes with its own set of ideals, or even like we're going to see in today's text, a spiritual background that creates in us a way of seeing and doing life that we see as uncommon, but God sees as unkingdom. We see it as, oh, I'm, I'm being holy. And God's saying, no, you're missing the mark. I'm living a life that says, God, you should be thankful I'm alive. And he's saying, you're missing what I'm thinking. That's the hard reality. Because in this text, in Acts chapter 10, Peter comes to a moment with God where both his nature and his nurture needed to change. And much like us in these moments, which I'm so thankful for, is that God drops a revelation to bring transformation into both. Why? Because he loves us. How, how good is our God that our God uh, knows when we need some inflight adjustments, he doesn't sit back and say, you made your bed, now lie in it. You better change yourself. You better get right, boy. Boy, you better, don't you bring that in here. How good is our God that when we need some inflated adju- adjustments, he shows up? Yeah. So the question is not whether God's going to drop some revelation to change us. It's how will we respond when he does? Especially, especially church, especially for those of us who've walked with God for a really long time, especially like Peter, when we don't think the thing God's challenging needs to change. Because I promise you, there are some things ingrained in us, there are some things that we've dug our heels into, that we think God should be impressed by. We think it's uncommon, he says it's unkingdom. How will we respond? Let's look at this text together. Acts chapter 10 verse 9 says this. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about six, in the sixth hour to pray. That's noon, about six hour. And he became hungry, as men do, and wanted something to eat. And while he was waiting, he fell into a trance. He had a vision. And saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, letting down by the four corners upon the earth. The four corners means that this is a universal truth. It covers the entire earth. It's for everyone. So that's important because it's not just for Peter. It's not just for a time. It is outside of time and space. and includes all of us. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. You can underline that. Rise, kill, and eat. Because in it, we're going to see the steps to becoming uncommon. Rise, kill, and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. I mean, what's the gumption this guy has? He's the one who denied him three times. Then God, Jesus shows up and he's like, yeah, yeah, you got it wrong again, Jesus. By no means. Why? Because the way I've lived my life isn't wrong, God. The way that I've seen life isn't wrong, God. The way that I've been spiritual isn't wrong, God. God says, oh, 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 you think it's uncommon. It's just on kingdom. He says, no, no, God. I've never had eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, saying, What God, uh, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, three times, and the thing was taken up at heaven in heaven at once. Let me just say this, just so that we can get the record straight. Uh, yes, this is, this is about the church being open to Gentiles and Jewish believers alike. Yep, that's what this is about. That's part of what God is doing here. Because the church was only focused on a certain group of people. People like them. People that looked like them, acted like them, dressed like Anybody sound familiar? The problem in an American, America today is that churches draw people that look like them, dressed like them, from the same background as them. But the kingdom, it, look, look, that's not uncommon. That's on kingdom. And yes, it was about making sure that Peter, as he's a fisherman, as he's fishing for people, understands he has to widen his net. But come on, my friends, we can't miss this. This is after Pentecost. This is after Jesus is raised from the dead. This is after he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. After receiving forgiveness from Jesus from the seashore. After the birth of the church. After he had been part of miracles, signs, and wonders. But he was still limited because of who he was. And when we are limited by ourselves, when we are limited by ourselves, we will be limited in both how we see who God is and how he calls life normal. When we're limited by ourselves. But God's not having it. I love that God doesn't have it. Why? God's not having any of it because he loves Peter, because he loves people, because he died for an uncommon community that he wants to release into the world that's been a desire of his from the beginning of time. When the moment he designed designed humanity in the garden, he still was saying, go out into the world. This is the community that's different than the nature around it. It wasn't a a community of animals. It wasn't a community of monkeys. It wasn't a community of donkeys. was a community of humans going out when he designed Israel right. it was a different kind of uncommon community he was trying to produce yeah, that's right. this has been got the church has been God's desire from the beginning an uncommon community right. that's released into the world that brings about an uncommon life I think the challenge though if we're honest is when it comes to understanding an uncommon life and the life God is calling his people to, believers end up defining uncommon through their cultural condition. Yeah. But disciples define uncommon through kingdom revelation. Right. Peter, just like you, many of us in this room, have been raised with a culture and a family that says, we don't mix with them. I don't know who your them is, but we all have them. We don't mix with them. There's kosher and unkosher. And I'm going to set the boundaries so that I don't eat or act or be with someone or something that I see as unclean. He thought it was pious. He thought it was uncommon. It was just unkingdom. And he says to Jesus, you should be impressed by that. I wonder what have we called or what have we learned to call kosher or unkosher? What is it? What have we learned? Do you know that's why we need revelation? I think the trap is Peter was trying to live in an uncommon life with the constraints of a common culture. He had accepted forgiveness as a reality in his life. He understood the power of grace for himself. He learned to work within the prophetic gift of the Holy Spirit that had been placed upon him. But within himself, there still remained a culture that threatened to make his life common. Uh, Let me put some feet on it for you in America today. When we confuse American rights as kingdom rights, when we confuse political views as kingdom views, When when, when we confuse our beliefs, our generational beliefs, as kingdom truth. These are things that are active in all of us all the time. Pressures each and every one of us. You dead, right? I mean, that's just, that's, it's easy to allow culture to be able to make us believe and confuse us into believing our political views are actually kingdom views. Man, this, this, we can see this happen from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, King Saul had a kingdom position, just like you and I do. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have a kingdom position, but he did not function with kingdom revelation. So he responded through his cultural condition. He kept seeing things God was trying to do as a threat to his life, rather than a release into the fullness of God's kingdom. God brings a warrior next to him. His name was David. He was a giant slayer. He was one that could release the kingdom into what God wanted it to be. To elevate people's lives, God brought it to him. Saul didn't ask for it. Saul didn't pray for it. But Saul needed it. So God brought a David. By the way, David is a picture of Jesus. David shows up as a mighty warrior, a giant slayer. Everything that Saul needed and Saul saw it as a threat. So much so, 1 Samuel 18 verse 11 says, he threw spears at him twice try to kill him. Because Saul was the people's choice. David was God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. He, he, he got his power from the culture. He got his approval from the culture. He got his elevation from the culture. But David said, man, the God that saved me from the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion, he'll rescue me. He was a God's choice. The issue, my friends, is when we see God's choices as our enemy, come on, we will kill it rather than let it kill what needs to kill in us. We'll make an enemy out of the word of God. I know what God says, but I I know, but you got to understand. I know, but my family, I know, but the things I've gone through, I know, but you don't know what I've had to put up with. No, 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 no. He brought a mighty warrior next to you. There's a kingdom revelation. He's trying to get you out of your common life. The reality is, my friends, it requires this verse. Do not call what I've called uncommon, common. Our transformation, my friends, begins with a revelation of who He is. God shows up. This revelation is not just a word from Him. It is a revelation of who He is. That my God is not a God that segregates. My God is not a God that separates. My God is not a God that chooses one race over another, one sex over another. My God is a unifier. It's not just a word. It's a revelation of who he is. That's what we're missing. We get a word and decide where the word fits in our life. But when you get around the life, you realize how common your life is. It's not simply some inspiration that we receive from a message or information that causes us to rethink what we believe. It starts with a revelation of who he is That spurs us into action. Think about this. Peter had seen Jesus when he had eaten with tax collectors and sinners. He seen, he saw Jesus when Jesus was willing to go to a Roman centurion's house. He had watched Jesus as he gave grace and compassion to Samaritans. But the cultural condition that was in him was so ingrained that even when Jesus showed up, he was unmoved by him. Again, I wonder what we've called kosher that's so ingrained in us that makes us unmovable into his, into his truth. Come on, there are some things that are so ingrained in us that even though we've seen God move and we know what God says, we are still unmovable. It's why we need revelation, not just information. We need a revelation of who God is. We need to spend time seeing him we we need to spend time praying we need to spend time up on the the rooftop where peter was alone with god right Yep. we may be hungry we may be tired but there's something that needs to happen inside of us that says i need to know who he is it's not not enough to know about him i need to know him because it's a knowing that reveals something different about me but do you remember the story of jericho Have you ever thought about the story of Jericho? The Bible says the first group of spies in Numbers 13, they went in. And they, they represent the first Adam. Because they see themselves as me, mine. I know what God says, but. Me, mine. I know what God says, but. And they lose it. They're lost. Then the Bible says in Joshua 2, they send a second group of spies in. And they find they find provision in the city. They end up at Rahab the prostitute's house. They find provision in an unusual place. Come on, somebody needs to say amen because somebody needs provision from an unusual source today. Right? They find a provision in the city of an unusual sort, but it still not did not get the information, still did not give them faith to enter the city. Do you know what it took? Joshua 5. Joshua to have an encounter with Jesus on the get outside the walls of the city. The Bible says that Joshua rose up and there was, a, there was a, an angel of the Lord, a theophany of Jesus, who was there. And it took an encounter with Jesus to make the information of faith into an action of faith. We don't need just information or inspiration. We need revelation of who he is. To move us so that we can be, because in that revelation, man, we'll be able to shatter the chains of the common. Our hearts will be like John the Baptist, less of me and more of you, Jesus. Less of me and more of you. God, I know, I know, I know how I grew up, less of me and more of you. I know, I know, I know, I know my family always said family first, oh, less of me and more of you. I know, I know, I know our family always kept secrets, less of me and more of you. I know, I know I've always been late to church, come on somebody, less of me and more of you. That's just the way we are, late to church. I used to say all the time, when you're late for something that's important to God, don't be surprised when he's late for something that's important to you. Because you reap what you... You reap what you... just a thought. Come on! All right, we're going to have some fun this morning. I know this isn't really fun, but we're going to have some fun. Because the truth is, this is why as disciples, we need to define uncommon life through kingdom revelation. Through kingdom revelation. What does the word of God say? Who is Jesus? Let me ask you a question. How many times did he lower the sheep? How many times? Three times. That's why there is a threefold revelation for his kingdom disciples for change. Rise, kill, eat. Rise, kill, eat. Why? Because three is the number of perfection. Three is the number of perfection. How many times was Peter forgiven uh, in John 21 by the seashore? Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? How many times was Samuel called by God before he was commissioned? Three times. Come on, somebody. How many times were we supposed to go as men and women of Israel up to the feasts to worship God? Three times. How many times did God say to Paul, my grace is sufficient, my grace is sufficient, my grace is sufficient? How many times does the angels cry out who the Godhead is? is holy, holy, holy three times, three times, three times. Why? Because when God is saying something three times, he's declaring something as his perfect will for our lives. We can't miss this stuff. It's not just, oh, he wants Jews and Gentiles together. No, he's got a perfect will. There's something God's trying to get out of us and get in us. That's why the three things that can make us uncommon is rise, kill, eat. To be uncommon, my friends, we've got to learn to rise. What does the Bible say time and time again? Arise, O sleeper. Awake from your sleep. Arise, church of the 21st century. We need to swipe the sleepies out of our eyes. we got to shake it off. We got to shake the pandemic off. We got to shake off our commonality, our apathy. We've got to arise and understand we are in last days. We are in a latter time. There's a latter rain that should be falling on us. Yes, amen. Amen. When God says to Peter to rise, what does he say? He's saying, Peter, change your position. Move from the one place that you have been planted in your whole life and move yourself to a different position. Man, I'm challenged by that all the time because I've been doing things in my Christian life for a really long time. And I wonder if I'm still in good soil or if I let some weeds get in there and I didn't even realize it. Change your position. Rise up. The truth is, I think, we don't mind changing our position mentally We may not even mind changing our position of beliefs, but Jesus doesn't tell him to simply change his belief. What he says is, Peter, get up and change your position. Change your position. Man, if you've been worshiping with hands by your side, maybe next week you change your position. Maybe if you only pray when you're in the shower, maybe we spend 10 minutes early and get out of the shower and get on our knees and change our position. Maybe there's something that needs to change in us to move us from common to uncommon. I think the issue is in our culture, we have diluted our position to being a belief Or a side of the political aisle that we're on. And it has become esoteric. This is my position on the issue. But it's not a real position until it stands firm in the face of an enemy attack. You do not have a position until you have taken a stand and allowed the enemy to come full force at you and say, I'm going to be unmoved. You have a belief, you have an understanding, but you do not have a position. I love the Bible says in 2 Samuel 23, it says, Shama saw that the enemy had a position because this is my field, this is my harvest, this is my inheritance, this is my community, I'm not moving. Yes. You don't have a position until you stand in it. When the enemy comes full force. I love that this Greek word for rise is a participle. That means it's an ing word. It's rising. He's saying while continuing to rise, we need to kill and eat. While we keep rising. In the midst of rising, there are some actions that we need to take to solidify our position. That's why James 1.22 says, don't be hearers of the word only today. And so deceive yourselves into believing. Do what it says. Put it into action. Change your position. When we don't kill some things in us and consume some things we've never had before, we won't ever move from receiving it to being it. To be uncommon, we have to kill it. Kill. I'm not talking about people or... Things, um, I'm talking about some things inside of us, some prejudices, some assumptions, some old habits, some things that we think we're impressing God but are actually standing in our way of truly seeing who God is. How many of us have some things that be like, God, you should be impressed that I do this. And even in that moment, it keeps us from seeing God because pride always comes before the fall. David had been called and anointed. But there still was a uh, a Goliath he had to kill before he could rise into that position. And he had to keep killing and killing and killing and killing. It wasn't a one-time moment. It was, I'm going to get rid of this giant, and then there was other giants. And I had to get rid of them and them and them. In my rising, there are some things that keep coming up in me that I actually have to keep confronting. That's why I love verse 40. It says, uh, David took five stones from the river, five stones from the creek. I don't believe he took five stones from the creek because he lacked faith. I believe he took five stones from the creek because Goliath had four brothers. And he knew this, that he had to finish the job or they would finish him. He could not let some things alive that were going to kill him in the long run. Come on. There are still some stones in your pocket and some enemies on the field that we've got to rise up. I think over my years of ministry, I, I, I think I've seen people of faith confuse getting the concept with getting the breakthrough. We get the understanding of something and confuse it with getting the breakthrough of something. See, you see, just because I understand something differently doesn't mean that I've allowed the Holy Spirit access to do the work that's needed to break the enemy inside of me. It's like David knowing that that Goliath had four brothers that would come after him, knowing he had four stones left in the pouch, knowing that he had the power to win, but still not going out and killing them. If he had just known it, he would have ended up dead. See, God has given us all sorts of words to rise up. All sorts of truth about our lives. He put stones in the pocket, and we're still letting Goliath's brothers alive. Why? Well, when we had that breakthrough back there in 1982, man, back there in '99, man, I was on fire for God. Hallelujah, man, I was part of a movement. Pastor, you should have seen it, glory. I'm sorry, in your rising, there are some brothers coming after you. The reality is, David had to identify the enemy by the word and then act on it to kill it. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 17, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. If we don't kill what is keeping us from being uncommon, it will drag us back down into being common. How do I know? It happened to Peter. Oh, not the Pope. Not Pope Peter the first. Yeah, Pope Peter the first. Yep. Galatians 2.11 says this, even after all this, Peter got, stopped eating. He stopped eating with Gentiles because he got some cultural pressure from Jewish believers. Because he didn't ever kill the cultural conditioning inside of him. He didn't keep killing it as it rose and rose and rose. It just took a little bit of cultural pressure for him to back away from a revelation God had given him, for a breakthrough that God had given him. It just took a little pressure, a little pandemic, to get us to walk on our own, to, to get us to say, I don't need church. I've, I've got me and Jesus. It just took a little pressure to make sure, oh, you, don't, you, you tithe? me. I me? Mean, that stupid. Church just wants you money. Yeah, just a little cultural pressure. To back off the revelation. It's why we can never believe that because we've had a revelation or a moment of transformation that we are somehow Teflon, untouchable, that we have it all figured out. It's why it's so important that we stay in a community of faith. Because the Bible says, Paul said, when I saw Peter do it, I confronted him to his face. He didn't tweet about him. He didn't sp- put it on social media. He didn't talk about how bad that place was. You know what he did? He rose up. He rolled over to Peter's house and said, you an idiot. You need to stop doing this because you had a revelation from God. And you know who Jesus is. And you know what the community of faith God's trying to do. You need to knock it off. You and I need some pause in our life. we That's why we have Forge, which is our men's discipleship groups, and shoulder to shoulder, our women's discipleship. Why? Because we need some people when we've lost the revelation to remind us of the transformation God's trying to bring. But we're like, oh no, I got it. I figured it out. I changed my position. Oh, you may have killed Goliath, but you ain't killed his brothers yet. I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt in my life, there are people in this room people who may be watching online today or listening to this later on, and they've received a call on their life. They realize who God has meant them to be and who they were meant to reach, but because of the pressures of people and places and possessions, we have slipped back into the convenience of Christianity, back into the common. Peter didn't leave Jesus. He didn't forsake God. He simply separated himself from the community and the revelation that God had taken the time to get him out of already. That's why Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Man, look, when iron sharpens iron, sparks may fly, but my life won't die. Let me say that again, because I'm going to preach that for a second. Oh, I don't want to, I don't know, people get on me, they're all about mind your own business. No, no, my business is kingdom business. It's actually to help you. And yeah, there might be some sparks flying when we bring the word to one another. When we, I promise you, Peter and Paul's conversations were not like, oh, Peter, I just want to tell you what you're doing is mightfully wrong. And Peter's saying, oh, thank you, brother, for being so kind and bringing it to me. Do you know who Peter is? Dude, cut off the ear of a dude. Peter, Jesus said, I'm going to die. He said, not on my watch. I'm sure it was not a oh hallelujah moment. I promise you there were some sparks flying when those two brothers got together. That's all right. I'd rather sparks fly in our relationship than my life die. That's why we need each other. It's not simply about church. It's about understanding a community of faith that's there, what God's trying to do. Listen, I'm going to say this. It's not for everybody, but it is for me. There There are some people on Instagram that I follow. For me. Sean King is one of those people. Black coffee with white friends is one of those people. Let me say this is why. I don't have to agree with everything that they say. But there are some things that they open my eyes to. There are some things that they challenge in me. That keeps me from going back to eating at an all Jewish table. I need some people who have been where I haven't been. I need some people that see things the way I don't see them. I need some people who haven't come from my side of the tracks, who don't live in my culture, who don't dress like me, sound like me. I need need those things in my life. We're going to end in a minute. But I think to be uncommon, truly uncommon, we don't even need to rise and kill, but we need to eat. He didn't say to Peter, understand, or just go and touch, or make sure that you're just around those things. He said, consume this. Get it inside of you. Make it a part of you. Bro, if you don't like lobster, gag it down. It doesn't matter whether you like the reptile I put on that plate. I'm not asking you if you want filet mignon. I'm putting some things on that plate that you need. It's not a buffet where we pick and choose. The kingdom of God, the word is life. The word is hope. The word is breakthrough. The word is change. So I've got to just say, man, I've never eaten that thing before. I don't have a taste for reptile, God. Man, when I was in Africa, I love Africa. It's my favorite place on the planet. When I've been in Africa multiple times, I've had to eat things that I would not normally eat. Like I've had to eat bugs. I've had to drink milk mixed with blood. Hot. They just milk the cow and they pop a dart and in, in, in the neck get some blood. Eat some fried goat with the hair still on it. Oh, but, but see, 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 I, I was somewhere where I had to get something in me because some of the things that I brought to that table were wrong. I had to consume something different. We need to go beyond what we saw as untouchable in our lives we need to see that the word says whatever god has called clean we don't call common we are those things on the tablecloth we are those unclean things that god now calls special and calls sacred that's why regardless of the generation that we live in regardless of what's going on around our life regardless of the gifts we have or don't have we have no right to call ourselves Common, because God has called us sacred. God has called us special. And when we say something God doesn't say about us, we call God a liar. Oh, we don't want to say that, but that's what we're saying. When God says, don't you dare call yourself common. I'm not common. Oh, I may mess up. Oh, I may may lose it sometimes, but I am not common. I am sacred, designed, created. I didn't crawl out of some cosmic goop through evolution. My God put hands in the dirt, breathed his spirit into me. He knew me when I was in my mama's womb. He called me. He identified me. He counts the hairs on my head. I am not common. I may mess up and do some common things. Come on. But when I call myself common, I make God a liar. That's why we're so, uh, I think we're so used to calling what we give up for God and what we give to God holy and special. But the truth is what we see in this text is what he brings down to us is what is truly uncommon. It's why we must build our life from the place of uncommon life and eat from his table. I love Psalm 23, 5. It says, when the Lord is my shepherd, I shouldn't want, I won't want. But verse 5 says, and he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. So often when we're thinking about the presence of an enemy, we think of it externally. But I'm here to tell you, just like Peter, some of the worst enemies are internal. Some of the things that God needs to change is in us long before he changes anything around us. So we have to eat from that table. I love what David says in Psalm 34, 8. eight. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. i got to be honest. When I ate that locust, I didn't think it was going to be pretty any good. But it was pretty good. When I ate the goat, I had to pick some hair out the teeth. But it was pretty good. See, there are some things that we've convinced ourselves because of culture that won't be tasty to us. But when we get into it and eat what God has given us, we'll realize he's good. See, the reality is when our soul is challenged, it cries out, I want a normal life. And after the pandemic, it has been so reinforced inside of us. There's such a fear that now that we've figured it out, we figured out our, nor- our new normal, that something will disturb it. So we have doubled down on protecting it. But having access to the throne of God is uncommon, but it can be normal to you and I. Right. Loving people that other people would give side eye to... Is uncommon, but it can be normal to you and I. Praying in a prayer language that the Spirit of God gives us might be uncommon, but it is. Normal. Come on, to you and I. Forgiving people and not simply moving on from people is uncommon, but it can be normal to you and I. Standing up against injustice in our marketplace can be uncommon, but it can be normal to you and I. Experiencing peace when life is upside down is uncommon, but it can be normal life to you and I. The problem isn't what is normal, it's who is defining what is normal. It depends on what we call normal and who defines it. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he was defining that as normal. He was saying this type of naturally uncommon life is normal from where I come from. Have you ever been somebody who's been like, um, yeah, well, where, where I come from, we don't do that. Where I come from, we don't call it that. Where I come from... I played football down south, down south, down south. I have some of my friends from the south over here. I don't mean to offend anybody from the south. Hallelujah. (laughs) But when I played football down the south, where I come from, we do not call a place that has two drive-up motels on the side of the road, one red light and a Wendy's a city. We don't call that. We don't call horse-drawn carriage public transportation. We don't do that where I'm from. But come on, how many times does Jesus have to come to you and I and say, where I come from, Robin, man, that ain't, that ain't what I call it. That ain't, where, where I come from, that life that you got living, that attitude, you know, that, where I come from, I don't call it that. You, you, you think that that's holy. I call it, un, I, I call it uh, unkingdom. You think it should impress me. It doesn't impress me. It repulses me. And ultimately, Jesus was just trying to redeem a community, his community, a kingdom community. Did you notice there were things from the land and from the sea and from the air all in the same sheet? Uh, That's how church should be. That's how our relationships should be. You don't need to be friends just with everybody from the sea or everybody from the land or everybody from from the air. We all need to be on the same sheet. Do you know why? Because God is about unity. Because there's power in unity. There's breakthrough in unity. Because God exists in unity. Because Psalm 133 says the blessing exists in unity. Right. God is trying to get things out of us that would cause disunity so that we'd have unity. I was talking to Danielle the other day. She was, we were making pot roast, And we were laughing because when, before she married me, she never had pot roast and potatoes before. Never. That wasn't part of her diet. She's Italian. It was not part of her diet. Now, it was cold and rainy. She's like, man, I need some comfort food. I need a pot roast and mashed potatoes. And I said, who are you? It doesn't mean she doesn't like pasta anymore. But see, when she got around her husband, what was in his life got in her life. What comforted him started to comfort her. See, 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 she didn't need to come to the marriage. She didn't need to come to the marriage having it figured out. She didn't have to come to the marriage liking mashed potatoes, making sure that we're all on the same page. When it's cold, I want some pot roasts, right? We didn't have to do that because we trusted that God was in the midst of it. And so when we allow the spouse, our spouse, our king, to bring what's comfortable to him into our lives, just being around him will make what's comfortable in him comfortable in us. Peter came, we're going to end right now. Peter came to this moment in the sixth hour as a saved man but as a man still imprisoned by his cultural conditioning. I wonder how many of us in America today are living in the sixth hour. We're saved, we're forgiven, blessed by the Holy Spirit, we're in the birth of the church, still imprisoned by our cultural conditioning. But Jesus didn't want to leave him in the sixth hour. He was trying to take him into the seventh hour revelation. See, six is the number of man, six is the best that man can do, but seven is the number of God's completion. God is saying to many of us in this room today that we've come to this hour. He's he's not concerned how we've come to this hour. We may even be doing the best that we can, but there's a revelation that can move us from being a sixth hour man to a seventh hour disciple, a sixth hour worshiper to a seventh hour man or woman of faith, a sixth hour Christian to a seventh hour man or woman of power. There's a seventh hour. And that hour is uncommon. We can't get there by ourselves. We need a revelation from the Holy Spirit. We need a breakthrough from His Word. Come on, how many of us want a complete life? Isn't that what we're longing for? Not just a better life, not just a happy life, but a complete life. God understands the hour that we are in. But he's constantly stirring us to bring us to the seventh hour revelation. Rise, kill, and eat. Rise, kill, and eat. As we head into the labor pains, as the latter days get closer and closer, I don't know when they will come to completion. I don't know when the parousia, the final ending, will come. But I know this that there's a lot of pain in our world. Things aren't always going to get better just because we want them to. It will not be a belief system that keeps us. It will not be an understanding that changes our world. It will be a seventh hour revelation of who God is and who He has made us to be. Not common. I'm not trying to fit in. I want to stand out. I'm not trying to get along. I'm trying to get people into the kingdom. If we always do what we've always done, we will always get what we've always got. If we want a different tomorrow, we need to do something differently in our today. Rise, change your position, kill. Goliath brothers and eat what I've laid on the table before you, and before you know it, your life will move from common to uncommon. I want an uncommon life. Man, you guys have been awesome this morning, giving me time today to unpack that. It's been in my spirit this week. I couldn't get away from it. About being multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multicultural. But we can't have an understanding of that. We need to have a revelation of that. You were not designed to be a better husband, a better wife, a better worker, a better Christian. You were designed to be an uncommon man or woman of faith that yeah. speaks yeah. life into a dark world. If nothing else, let this day speak to you, what matters. Yeah. Your marketplace needs some light. Your kids need some light. I'm not talking about Sunday school. I'm talking about men and women of faith speaking into their life. Yeah. Our younger generation needs some people that have callings on their life in this room to rise up and say, as from me and my house, I'm going to raise up a generation of young people that are going to take this city. on let's pray I'm gonna pray we got to pray I'm gonna keep preaching Jesus. Jesus I thank you that there's a sheep before each one of us there's a sheep before each one of us with things from you that we need to kill and eat things that remind us of our own piousness our own blindness Holy Spirit, come in this moment and move. Open hearts and open minds. Shatter the stronghold of people, possessions, prejudice. Stir your Holy Spirit deep inside of us. You're the only one that can change us. And so we pray for change this morning. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. We need you, not an understanding of you. We need you. We need the fullness of who you are, the breakthrough from our king. Shatter the chains of the common in us. Holy Spirit, pour out your gifts and your fruit. May the glory of our God.